Hear that, everyone? It's the sweet jazz of the legislative session finally being done. We are more happy than you could ever know. And, yes, Medicaid sideboards are law. Welcome, everyone, to Pod Help Idaho. I'm Dan Hanks. And I'm Shem Hanks. And, uh, boy, we're feeling, um, you know, a little more relaxed than normal. Yeah. Finally, like, a big 95-day weight is off our shoulders. Is it 95 days? Yeah, it looks like it's 95 days. Well, something happened today at 420. <laughs> yeah, but we just can't say what actually happened. <laughs> So we're so relaxed because 420, um, April 11th, 2019, something happened in Idaho and suddenly everyone can rest and listen to smooth jazz with us. Smooth jazz music. No more having to write the legislature for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, um, the last few months have been um, hectic. Yeah. And hectic in, well, at least from our end over the last six weeks is we just talk about Medicaid expansion and ballot initiative process, but that's pretty much also what the legislature's been doing for about six weeks now. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think in past cycles, one of the things I really enjoyed was the nuance of bills that aren't clearly partisan, which are really interesting because the legislative you know, bodies are divided between themselves. Sometimes the caucuses end up splitting, like this really interesting stuff on these complicated bills. And there, there certainly were some of those bills that came through the cycle, but man, the news, the coverage, our pod is basically looked at trying to restrict Medicaid expansion. Actually, it started out trying to expand Medicaid, right? Make sure that that was funded. And then it switched to, so would that happen? And then it switched to, would there be restrictions? And then it also switched to let's make it so there's never a ballot initiative ever again. Yeah, and Representative Brian Zollinger of Idaho Falls said that Medicaid was kind of like Pac-Man. It's been gobbling up everything in its path. And that's definitely been how this legislative session has gone is that we haven't been focusing as much on education or transportation or minimum wage or these different things. Because there's been this massive ele- elephant in the room. Yeah. A um, Proposition 2 size elephant. In the room. <laughs> All right. So let's back it up to uh, the last. <laughs> yeah, we need some better uh, sounds on this show. Yeah, so far the sound effects are really terrible. Yeah, they're really wanting. But uh, so the last time we talked... Uh, Governor Little made his first big veto. And so right after that, uh, that, so that happened, what, on that Thursday, Friday, Friday of last week? Did it come out Thursday last week? Mm, Yeah, it might have. I remember if it was Thursday or Friday. Yeah, days blending together. But anyway, that Monday, we see that uh, there is an amendment to 
the agenda that uh, Representative Sage Dixon was going to be proposing for yeah. ballot initiative restriction bills, essentially breaking up the previous Senate bill into four parts, saying, well, Governor Little, which part of the bills did you like the least? We'll just, you can just veto those. We'll just pass some of the things. Yeah, can you do that? Are you allowed <laughs> to do that? Are you allowed to just... Uh, the way you react to a veto is just to make the same bill again and just run it back? Because I thought you had to try to override the veto, which I don't think they had the votes for. Um, I think they would have lost votes, actually. I think overriding a veto is sort of a bigger move. Yeah. Oh, it is. And no, they, well, they get to do whatever they want. They're part of the supermajority. And that's what we learned from Senator Sage Dixon's bill because... They have their own rules where in the first week of March is when you get to or the last day that you can propose new legislation. And the members of the House of Representatives just threw that rule right out the window. Amazing the disregard for rules in this cycle. That was really one of the themes is it is clear that the leadership either one never really cares about the rules or or two, just feel powerless to rein in uh, legislators that are, you know, on their own agenda. That's, so that's an interesting thing. Like Sage Dixon, is that, is that something that his party supported? Is, hey, if the governor vetoes this, we're just going to run it back at him as a different bill. Four different bills. Or. I, you know, maybe something like that's been done before. But that looked just wild and irresponsible. And so... Out of committee, uh, the Idaho House passes House Bill 303, which is a part of that veto, or vetoed piece of legislation, where that bill uh, essentially, uh, the purpose of that is to identify a funding source as well as a fiscal impact statement developed by the Division of Financial Management mm. and follow a single subject rule. So I can't pass a ballot initiative that raises the minimum wage. And oh, yeah. And we are also legalizing marijuana on the same right. bill. Got it. And so that passed out of the House. Substantially, 48 people said yes. Only 18 said no Wild. to what was just vetoed by Governor Little. The big decision made by Governor Little. It is clear they do not care about process. Not at all, but it at the end of the day, it was process that ruined it. Because then that House Bill 303 has to go to the Senate, where it was full-on dead-on arrival where the uh, leadership in the Senate was like, no, we're not going to take that on this year. Yeah, they're just like, no, 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 no. Don't not come into the Kemi Matumbo's house. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so the sign, sign, signy die, signy, sign, signy die. Signy die. I say sign die because um, uh, I'm an American sign, sign die. Huh? We've been practicing this. We've been listening to pronunciations across Cine the interwebs. Yeah. Cine D. Well, that's uh, the Latin is what it looks like. Yeah. Cine D. Cine Dai is something we heard a few times out there as we looked around the interwebs. And 
And there's just the simple sign die. Get out of here. Sign die. We're yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that everyone is expecting that this uh, ballot initiative restriction movement, ballot initiative restriction mm-hmm. bills is absolutely going to be coming back in 2020, probably more with a vengeance. Okay, so here's the thing. We know there are ballot initiatives currently filed. I think they're going to have a more difficult time, let's say in the next year, one of these gets enough signatures under the current law. I feel like that would be very difficult to then come back and try to kick out. Here's the other thing I would do if I had a lot of money to throw around at a legal process. I think that there's groups out there that could challenge the current process as too strict because it never really got the legal challenge it should have. But I think that you're right. The ballot initiative fight is just heating up um, and it may get a lot worse. Yeah. Well, and we know that uh, marijuana is obviously going to pass because we signed died on 420. So, yeah. So right how about that? Yeah. You know, if I were them, I'd wait a minute. Just <laughs> one more minute. <laughs> So also this week, they they sort of have been uh, legislating like they might be high. So, you know, there might be something going on. I don't know. So you're, you're saying that the legislature should be drug tested? I think that's actually a really reasonable thing. Um, you know, if they want people to take drug tests to be on Medicaid, why shouldn't those legislatures legislators also be drug tested? Correct. Yep. Yep. I think one or two of them might object. I I don't know why, but... (laughs) So, also this week, Medicaid expansion finally gets the funding. It finally passes and... So everything's great. ...to the governor's desk. And it's over. And he signed it. However, (laughs) the Medicaid expansion bill that was signed by the governor was for... Medicaid expansion sideboards. Ah, ten of them. Requirements. Yeah, ten different sideboards, including but not limited to work requirements. Great. As well as a review in 2023, oh. and if the uh, federal matching rate ever drops below 90-10, should it go to 91-9, the legislature has to consider ending Medicaid expansion. Uh. Things like that. Uh, so there's a problem, and that's that work requirements have been found unconstitutional during this cycle. During this cycle, it was ruled on. So I was mentioning earlier that I wonder if this could, even if now that it's passed and now that work requirements are the law of the land for Medicaid, I think we know that's going to be challenged in court. But it may have to, it, it may actually move really quickly that, that that they hold that law and basically don't get to act on it until the court has resolved the issue, meaning it's going to go to the Supreme Court, which, you know, could take another cycle or two. So that could be on hold. The work requirements thing could be on hold without a final ruling for some period of time. That's my. That's what I'm guessing is going to happen. I don't know. 
Yeah, and so the budget that they passed also barely passed the Idaho House, where it went 42 to 28. So narrowly, narrowly passed funding Medicaid expansion. Yeah. And that's before we even probably know the true fiscal impact of all these sideboards, which, while Governor Little did sign into law these sideboards and work requirements, things of that nature, uh, he even released a letter where he said, well, I'm doing this, but I'm hesitant about this because of the fiscal impact that we're going to see. Yeah. So the, yeah, there was a kind of a mess up in that, uh, in the release of saying they were going to, the, the governor was going to veto. Mm. Uh, and there was what, like a, basically like a memo or like a, a letter with his concerns that got posted on his website. And so there was like an official communication that came out looking like he was going to veto it. And then he signed it and they had to like quickly take it down and like rewrite it. But his letter is basically, here's the reasons why it's bad and I'm signing it. Yeah. And so it's not that surprising that it looks like, um, you know, it, it sort of, um, you know, it looks like maybe it was on the fence. Like maybe there was almost, almost going to veto it. But I never expected him to veto that bill. I thought the ballot initiative one was a, I didn't think he would veto that either. But I thought that, you know, he has more political coverage on that one. You mentioned it. You know, he's got basically the same voters. Voters did not actually vote for or against work requirements. And if it had also been on the ballot, I'm guessing it probably would have passed. We know that work requirements are supported. Even though they're expensive, people like the idea that you should have to work for Medicaid uh, services. Now, we, you and I know there's some problems with that, but it also is true that it's popular. I would expect that if this identical bill, even with these 10 sideboards, had been on the ballot, that it would have passed well, might have actually passed by more. Right. So if they would have taken Medicaid expansion with work requirements so that it's only for workers, we're going to expand it, but it's only going to be for workers. And that would have been what Proposition 2 was. I'm thinking it would have been really popular in Idaho. So this is more expensive, but there's some evidence out there that even at a higher expense, people just don't like giving away Medicaid. It's kind of interesting. When we talked about it a lot during this podcast, that Proposition 2, while they were supporting it, basically they were only arguing for workers. And this was a move by the legislature to say, well, since we're going to do that, let's <laughs> go ahead and do what we always wanted and make it only about workers. And, um, you know, it's irresponsible in terms of timing, in my opinion. They should have passed this five years ago and done the work requirements, and maybe it would have been unconstitutional then. But doing it after the other one passed is, you know, really, it's lazy. Now, with that Governor Little memo that was released where maybe he was on the fence, yeah. I fully think that that was an intentional plant to soften uh, the ground or be a uh, test balloon to see how people were going to react, especially probably within his own party oh fantastic yeah there's no way that was just an accident oh, it was oh fantastic mm -mm. great conspiracy theory <laughs> i spend a lot of time with my father anyway. 
I spent a lot of time in Idaho. So, yeah. and uh, during this session, too much time on Twitter. Way too much time on Twitter. This was my first time ever being on Twitter over the last 95 days of the legislative session. Yeah. It's changed my life. There's not that many people following the legislature on Twitter. Like, there's not that many people posting and reposting. And you know, there's very few likes. But there is a nice constant feed if you're on the hashtag IDPOL. If anybody's out there on the Twitter, um, that that hashtag is active basically on a, you know, not minute by minute, but every every few minutes, there's definitely something coming up on that thread. Yeah, it's great. And ID Ledge also. Yep. Specifically about legislative stuff, which uh, the majority leader of the Senate, Chuck Winder, mm. during sign die, stood up and said, I hope each one of us will be better legislators next year. Well, that starts at the top, buddy. We all hope that you are better. Yeah, we would love for you to do a better job. What does a better job look like? For me, it might mean stop making it harder to make ballot initiatives. What a crazy idea, folks. (laughs) And for those keeping track at home, the Idaho House saw... 307 bills proposed. Ooh, 307 bills in 95 days. The Senate saw 215 bills proposed. 307 divided by 95. Let's see. So they're doing... Uh, that's, that's math. <laughs> actually, not going super fast. They're doing 3.2 bills a day. Oh, yeah, I actually think that they're probably their per day bill rate is probably lower than normal because they were there basically this last two weeks working on just a few bills. So they really slowed down where usually they're just at this frantic pass a bill, pass a bill, pass a bill, pass a bill, pass a bill. It's one of the bad things about how quick the cycle is. I once spoke with Senator Mary Souza. Mary Souza. This was hers and my first true conversation. And we were talking about the legislative session and the amount of time that they actually spend in session. Yep. And it's usually two and a half months, three months. And uh, I was trying to make the argument that it should be a six to nine month session. Yep. They have more time to read bills. Not only that, you have to increase compensation so that actual professionals would feel inclined to become a member of the Idaho State Legislature Correct. instead of a bunch of retired people. Yeah, or rich people. Or rich people, or uh, people who live in closer proximity to Boise, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And I've uh, always felt that there was a real misrepresentation within the Idaho Legislature because they do not... Uh, compensate at the level that professionals would require. Mm-hmm. Senator Souza shot back that the session is as long as it should be because if they stay any longer, they will do more harm than good. I never thought that I would agree with Senator Souza, but man, 95 legislative days was too many for this particular group of folks to be together. Yeah, if this group had been together another four months, they could really do some damage. I mean, I really do think 
that one thing that sort of stems the tide of extremist bills coming through is just how fast they can work. And I think really moderate Republicans basically try to slow things down. Democrats did as well this time, just trying to stop some of this by time. And really, I thought that was what was going to happen, was they were going to sign die before they could really take some of these some of this legislation all the way through and they were like nope we will get this through no matter what which i appreciate that they're uh committed to something you know they're like we can't make you know we must make sure that some people are going to die due to our bad legislation because mm-hmm. let's be honest like we know that this is true for every person that you don't give health care to there's a not just a financial cost, there's a true life or death cost. As Ralph Labrador once said, um, people die when they don't have health care. Did you see Raul Labrador was at the state legislature? No, I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, he was hanging out. That's funny. Yeah, it has, doesn't have much going on other than preparing for a Senate run. Preparing for a Senate run, working for the Heritage Foundation. Well, you got to make money. you got to make a lot of money. So something that came out this week that I saw this weekend and posted, and it's gotten a lot of shares, a lot of traction, hmm. and that is, uh, so I subscribe to USA Today, and it's because of the media bias chart, and they were perfectly in the middle, oh. and so I became media bias and picked them because... They were as perfect in the middle as possibly could be for their chart. Nice. So this last weekend, they released one of their special reports. And this uh, special report was about model legislation or copycat legislation. Oh, yeah. And how since 2010 to 2018, there's just been thousands of pieces of copycat legislation by both sides of the aisle. Sure. and there will be word for word repeats in each and every state. Mm. And their argument was that legislators no longer write their own legislation, but right. it's the special interest corporations, different groups who are going state to state and making sure that their agenda gets passed in each and every state. And they actually found this to be a way more effective way of those groups trying to govern than trying to get people elected to Congress Mm. where you don't have to spend as much money. Legislators are often very much uh, looking to not maybe do the work of writing their own bills or know how to, or Or, really know know the issues. And so from 2010 to 2018, there were 120 of these bills that were found in Idaho. Wow. And all that USA Today was able to do as well with this group, I believe in Arizona. Uh, yeah, the Arizona Republic analysts analysis, Arizona hmm. Republic. Yeah. Uh, so they uh, essentially, you find one or two pieces of copycat legislation and you just do a search within those legislatures for things with identical words. And it's pretty amazing how often it pops up, and especially here in Idaho, where we're at 120. It's amazing. So basically, these are 
lobbyist groups um, or progressive groups, super conservative groups, think tanks. They write up the legislation. They find a friendly person. They give them some money and they say, get this in there, buddy. And they were interviewing legislators from other states and it was... Like, oh, I actually had no idea that I was a co-sponsor of these uh, bills because someone would just walk up to him and be like, hey, would you like to co-sponsor this thing that sounds really good? Mm. They uh, make sure the title is pretty good. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'll totally do that. Ugh. And what was interesting is one of the examples USA Today gave was in Idaho, and it was the Sharia law bill. Oh, yeah. So anyway, who's writing your legislation? Yeah, well, we've met legislators. I know it's not a lot of them. You know, there's a lot of them without that, you know, ability. And we know they write bad bills. Um, you know, they unconstitutional bills. Yeah, and you know, we know, um, you know, the ballot initiative bill, which passed the House and the Senate, would have been unconstitutional. We know it because. A similar bill that was less strict has already been ruled on is unconstitutional. This wasn't up for debate. This wasn't somebody like, I don't know, maybe it's constitutional, maybe it isn't. They're like, oh yeah, it's unconstitutional, we're going to pass this bill. And the Medicaid expansion is really brazen because they're doing it in the face of a current ruling that it's illegal amazing i mean just so brazen clueless and it's important for people to remember the politicians don't care about whether it's constitutional or not they care about whether or not they're getting elected they think these are good plays to their base they don't think that they're going to get passed they don't think that they're going to be constitutional they are expecting a con- you know a legal fight. They don't expect them to become law. They just think that it's such a good move politically for them. That's the reason they're passing those bills. Helps with the ambition. Yep, helps with the ambition. You ever want to go up a notch or two, the Heritage Foundation is going to be a big fan of you. Boy, sign die at 420. 420. What an interesting thing. They didn't want to wait those next minute, maybe two minutes. Yeah, it's a sign of signed eye. <laughs> Was there any other sort of weird legislation that came through? I saw some sort of a back and forth over administrative rules. It looks like you can't have hemp still in Idaho, even though you know now federally it's okay. Um, so there was some extra stuff being thrown around last minute that definitely took a back seat. Yeah, yeah. I gave all my takes on this. <laughs> yeah, this is a really nice session to be done. Um, I think the Medicaid work requirements have some constitutional challenges ahead of them. And, you know, I don't know that um, it's going to necessarily hurt or help Republicans or hurt or help Democrats that they did this. Um, you know, it has not seemed that you can stick it to the majority party that they pass unconstitutional bills because they just keep going at it. Because you'd think that, that at some point they'd get, a, okay, we keep passing unconstitutional bills, we'll be good now. No, keep doing it. 
But now I finally get to release Medicaid Expansion Part 3. Oh, well, that'll be great. That'll um, be great because I also tease at what our next special project is going to be. Nice. So this is a teaser for the teaser. That is great. I'm excited to hear Medicaid Expansion Part 3 um, and and then the you know excitement that comes after it. be interesting for us because we have ran this podcast uh, every week through this legislative session and that's really how we started off this podcast so be an opportunity for us to look at um, where we go in Idaho politics when the legislative cycle slows down um, here's looking at you Brad that'll keep keep some action out there for us <laughs> make it exciting yeah we need the governor government workers that are still at work to do something exciting come on representative green help me out say some stuff <laughs> yeah you know what that's probably gonna happen <laughs> But guessing. we finally get to have our presidential draft. <laughs> yes. The important things. I'm winning. Yeah. I mean, we haven't drafted yet. I and mean, we did draft well, we on did. the show. So we, we get to keep those, but then there's like 16 more people now. So Do we have to go back to that episode and make sure we get it right? Yeah, I feel like we have to make sure that our drafting order is right. That's fair. Yeah, that's... yeah. We can't have an asterisk next to the winner. <laughs> well, um, uh, you know, Sine Die. <laughs> Sine Die. Is a, um, Sine die. Is a really nice feeling this time because this cycle was nuts. Yeah, I never cared before about when they were done. I am so thankful now that they are done. Yeah, in the past I was like, oh, yeah, oh, and they're done. Yeah, whatever. Finish up the finish up the cycle. Great. I don't get as much news articles about Idaho politics, but this time it was like, yeah, man, you guys were really out there to undermine everything. And I do think that Idaho's a reflection. You know, the Idaho politicians are very tuned into their national politics. Um, you know, so that Republican Party is very tuned into the Republican national, you know, national style national approach and um you know this kind of lack of following rules and disregard for process kind of disregard for the systems that kept our state and our country consistent and on track because you know I, I sort of have a philosophy that government should move slow and um that whether you're a republican or a democrat whether you're conservative or progressive if it goes slow it doesn't change too fast you know, bit by bit, little improvements, you know, one more brick on the wall. You know, it, it goes in steps and stages. And I think kind of newer, you know, kind of neoconservatives are like, no, our ideas rule and the system, you know, is out the window. And I think sometimes people on the far left also feel that way, that kind of those rules should be abandoned. And I think we really saw that in the Idaho legislative process this year. Yeah, and, well, we saw that uh, there's normally an attempt, or at least amongst the Republican members of the legislature, to say things like, big government's bad, big government is, uh, more government is always worse, and they themselves move very quickly. They mm -hmm. themselves love going after additional power and 
unfortunately, not enough people are paying attention to that aspect of it. What people are saying and what they are doing are often different. Yeah, really different things. So, um, any final words? Any, you know, really good words of wisdom as we, you know, start to we close out this final year or this <laughs> final final year of all time, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, this final legislative week. Uh, everyone, just remember. Time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like bananas. <laughs> fruit flies do like bananas, don't they? Mm-hmm. I wanted to point out that uh, minimum wage did not make it out of committee. Uh, say more about that, what do you mean? There were two different minimum wage bills, one that would incrementally raise minimum wage over the next couple of years to, I believe, between around uh, $12 an hour, as well as up server wage. And then the second bill would uh, allow communities to dictate minimum wage. Sounds like good bills. Neither made it out of committee. Not even for an up or down vote, didn't get a hearing, didn't get anything. It they were dead in ways and means. Yeah, my hot take going forward is watch the coming ballot initiatives. You know, if uh, we saw two pass last cycle, um, how many will move forward between now and the next session? And we know for sure there's one ballot initiative out there to regulate and actually make ballot initiatives easier. And so there could be a ballot initiative making ballot initiatives easier. So I think it's gonna be that's gonna be a very interesting thing to watch in this coming coming year. So hey, we're gonna we're gonna sign off. We are going to sign die for our podcast just today. We'll be back again probably next week. Probably we'll never leave you. We don't know what we'll be talking about without Medicaid and ballot <laughs> initiatives, but we sure are excited to figure out what that's gonna be. Well, it is time. Bye, everyone. Bye.